welcome to Over in an HP Lovecraft podcast where me and a friend read an HP Lovecraft story in somewhat chronological order. And uh, we occasionally, well, I'd say 90% of the time we make audiobook if it isn't too racist or boring. Uh, with me today is someone who is doing like some weird cult shit in an underground cave with like a river of oil going through it. Faith. Hey. Yep. Just yeah. down here in the cold, dank cave. Just doing some spooky shit. <clears throat> Might order a pizza later. I don't know. Yeah. So today we're going to be uh, talking about something that has to be happy because it's called the festival. The festival. Yeah. So I heard in the, the bubblings of this mysterious dark liquid underground that there's like a like a weird. Oh, yeah. The babbling brook. The babbling yeah, brook of uh, oil that's going, which very strange. Don't know why it's here. Um, was not in the listing for this place, by the way. Uh, but yes, it is telling me that there's like a little blurb of information about this story. Um, this brooding atmospheric tale was probably written in October ni- 1923 and is clearly based upon Lovecraft's visit to Marblehead, Massachusetts in December of 1922. Although the town of Kingsport was first created in The Terrible Old Man, it is only in the story that it is identified with Marblehead. Lovecraft later acknowledged that the story was inspired in part by his reading of Margaret A. Murray's The Witch Cult in Western Europe, which was written in 1921, which conjectured that the European witch cult had its origin in pre-Aryan race and was driven underground, a theory now regarded as Highly implausible. Hey, hey, <laughs> Faith. Yeah. How? How is that impossible? <laughs> Are you t- telling me they're not burlocks? That was, that uh, right, was right. Meow. Yeah. Right meow. Right meow. There's warlocks. Let me tell you. Yeah. I'm in a. I'm in a cave doing spooky stuff. Who do you think I am? <laughs> Lovecraft had also just discovered the work of Arthur Machen whose tales embody similar conceptions. It first appeared in Weird Tales in January of 1925. By the way, Arthur Machen wrote uh, The Great God Pan, which uh, is very good um, and definitely inspired Lovecraft. You should definitely read it. Actually, I think we'll probably read it eventually. Yeah, most likely. Um, I will. uh, I also want to bring up something else. Uh, It's a I'm, I don't know if I mentioned it on this podcast, but um, there is a book that I got fairly recently, which is called Cyclonopedia, uh, Complicity with Anomalous Materials by, Re- uh, by Reza Negarestani. Um, it's written by like an Iranian uh, philosopher who no longer lives in Iran, thinking properly. And it's written like this. Uh, it's written a lot like a manuscript that would drive someone mad with like what the world is actually about which you get a lot more in later lovecraft stories um you know something like the necronomicon or something like that but the whole premise was inspired by this story and in fact like it name checks it and quotes this exact story multiple times through it Mm -hmm. and the whole idea is that oil is the reason is like a oh my i can't get too far into it because like I'm literally basing a whole Call of Cthulhu game based off of the ideas off of this book because it's so fucking weird and weird. But basically, the reason why the Middle uh, East is in world and so much trouble is because oil is this malignant living thing that feels like it needs to propagate itself across the world in order to defeat the uh, in order to defeat the solar gods. No shit. <laughs> and there's a lot more to it. There's this whole thing about void, like... Yeah, like, I, th- I think I saw it was described as crypto theory or something like that. Yeah, it's, it's like, it's like this very obtuse philosophical look at Middle East politics and how it interacts with the world around it, but it adds, like, these, like, very eldritch and hard-to-understand things. Like, speculative a- theology, uh, philosophic grimoire. Yeah, it is real cool, and, like, 
It is just over 200 something pages. I'm normally a fast reader. It still took me three weeks to read it because it's like, it's written like a impossible to understand academic thing. But like the more, the more I'd like read over paragraphs over again, and the more I understood what it was talking about, the more I was sucked into it, even though it'd take me like an hour to read 20 pages because like I wanted to understand it's, such a weird it's hard to read let's say that it's not an easy read but i honestly i would i would read it because it does it is it is very much based off of the idea of the world around you not being what it seems like and when you know what it is it drives you mad Ooh. which is the premise of the necronomicon the uh a lot of lovecraft stuff is that way it's it's a whole thesis. It's the whole thesis of cosmic horror. Yeah, like it's like once you know what it is, it makes you feel useless once, and small. You can't do anything about it. Once you know the truth, once uh, once you see through the veil, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and uh, I don't know if I'd recommend people read it, <laughs> but like you know, I felt that way with some Lovecraft stories. Yeah, like, you know... Like, it's good, it, but, uh... <laughs> there's a lot. Yeah, let's let's get into this. Let's so. read the festival. Uh, fair warning, it's a Christmas story. Yeah, um... And as as most Christmas stories go, you learn something about the town. You, you learn more about your family than you want to. The Festival, by H.P. Lovecraft. I was far from home, and the spell of the eastern sea was upon me. In the twilight I heard it pounding on the rocks, and I knew that it laid just over the hill where the twisting willows writhed against the clearing sky and first stars. And because my fathers had called me to the old town beyond, I pushed on through the shallow, newly fallen snow along the road that soared lonely up, up to where Aldebaran crinkled among the trees towards the very ancient town I had never seen but often dreamt of. So so far, I don't know if this sounds like a Christmas story. Yeah. You know, so far it's like yeah. He's even follow he's even seeing stars. Walking around, <clears throat> seeing stars, there's snow. It was the Yuletide that men called Christmas, though they know in their heads it is older than Bethlehem and Babylon, older than Memphis and mankind. It was the Yuletide, and I had come at last to the ancient sea town where my people had dwelt and kept festival in the elder times when festival was forbidden, where they also had commanded their sons to keep festival once every century, that the memory of the primal secrets might not be forgotten. Mine were an old people and were old even when this land was settled 300 years before. And and they were strange because they had come as dark furtive from the opiate southern gardens of orchids and spoken another tongue before they learned the tongue of the blue-eyed fishers. And now they were scattered and shared only the rituals of mysteries that none living could understand. I was the only one who came back that night the old fishing town as legends bade for only the poor and the lonely remember i like how there was like a footloose thing going on here like no parties no festivals no parties i mean you can't dance yeah yeah it's definitely just you're too rowdy it's definitely just like you know one of those fun parties yeah definitely not um any spooky stuff nope no spooky stuff it's a christmas story maybe it became spooky because they weren't allowed to have fun parties maybe like i'll show you yeah, we're gonna we're gonna like eat a baby. <laughs> we're gonna sacrifice a goat. I mean, that's a step no, down from the I first. I will not. <laughs> I will not explain why though. There's really no reason. And then we'll roll around in its guts. I like I like the idea that they were just like, okay, we're gonna have to make this spooky so people let us do it, or they because they think we're crazy. Like, what can we do? First person is just like, let's eat a baby. Okay, what's <laughs> like, the next no. idea? <laughs> <laughs> sacrifice a goat okay i'm on board roll around his guts a little less but all right sure <laughs> what if we feed a baby to a goat no no, <laughs> no greg we're we're not 
We're not getting rid of your kid. Take responsibility. Okay, what if we all auto-cannibalize? <laughs> <laughs> My god, Greg, no. We're, we, we as a village are king-shaming you. No. <laughs> if you're gonna auto-cannibalize, you, <laughs> you have to do it in your own home. <laughs> Greg's always bringing up cannibalism. I wonder what's going on with him. God, Greg. Ugh. Anyways, let's cut over this goat and roll around in his guts. Then through the hills crest I saw Kingsport, outspread frostily in the gloaming, snowy Kingsport, with its ancient veins and steeples, ridge poles and chimneys, wharfs and small bridges, willow trees and graveyards, endless labyrinths of steep, narrow, crooked streets, and dizzy, church covered central peak, which time durst not touch. Ceaseless maze of colonial houses piled and scattered at all angles and levels, like a child's disordered blocks, and twickety hovering on the gray wings over winter whitened gables and gabbrel roofs, fanlight, small pane windows, one by one, gleaming out cold dust to join Orion and the Anar- and the archaic stars, and against the rotting wharfs the sea pounded, the secretive immemorial sea out of which people had come in the elder time. You know, that's a pretty spooky uh, town you got there. Also, Gabriel Roos. Another thing. Uh, we we yeah. should have done a... Lovecraft is just horny for Gabriel Roos. Like, it's just a normal-ass roof, right? Yeah, it's just like a, um, a pitched roof. That's it. There's nothing special about it. But, God, Lovecraft really was horny for him. The last story mentioned. Yeah, they get... Sometimes they get mentioned <laughs> multiple times in a story. Yeah, real roof. Let me double check. I'm pretty sure it's just yeah, it's just an well, so it's the one where it like um it steeps up and then it and then it stops and then there's a, a little even steeper roof. Yeah, for places that have a lot of snow, so it falls off. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's you just see that in northeast. That's Yeah. That's just a thing. Anyways. <laughs> But also, I do like how they're kind of describing it. Just like, there's just like, just people who kind of came over that no one understood, and they built this town. <laughs> and they're just like, yep. yo, just kind of here now. Hey. Yeah. So, no, I do like the, uh, I do like, uh, the, 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 um, phrase, uh, gleaming out into the cold dusk, joining Orion in the archaic scar, archaic stars. Yeah. Pretty cool, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like a pretty typical old uh, uh, northeast sea village. Like uh, uh, Providence, Rhode Island is very tightly packed like this. Beside the road at its crest, a still higher summit rose, bleak and windswept. And when I saw that it was a burying ground where black gravestones stuck foolishly through the snow, like the decaying fingernails of a gigantic corpse, the printless road was very lonely, and sometimes I had heard a distant, horrible creaking, as of a giblet in the wind. They had hung four kinsmen of mine for witchcraft in 1692, but I did not know just where. As the road round down the seaward slope, I listened for the merry sounds of a village at evening, but did not hear them. Then I thought for the season, and felt that the old Puritan folk, might well have Christmas customs changed to me. So after that, I did not listen for merriment or look for wayfarers, but kept down past the hushed, lighted farmhouses and the shadowy stone walls to where the signs of ancient shops and sea taverns creep in the salt breeze, and the grotesque knockers of pillared doorways listened along the deserted, unpaved lane in the light of little curtain window. Hey, uh, maybe they're all Jehovah Witnesses and they don't celebrate Christmas. I feel like the Puritans would have, like, stabbed them. Well, actually, for a long time, it was actually, uh, the idea of celebrating Christmas for Puritans and stuff, uh, and the way that we do it now with gift-giving and everything was seemed, uh, it didn't inflict enough suffering, apparently. Uh, Oh, yeah, yeah. no. No. You can't have a holiday if you don't suffer during it. There's no, yeah, no fun. No fun allowed. Yeah, we... It's it really sucks that like there's a good portion of people who are like 
just came from just like the the lame nerds that everyone hated from England. Right. Like at least my family's from Scandinavia. Like you know what they during do during Christmas? They burn shit, get drunk. <laughs> <clears throat> I have seen maps of the town and knew where to find the homes of my people. It was told that I should be known and welcomed, for the village legend lives long. So I hastened through to Circle Court and across the fresh snow on the one full flagstone pavement in the town to where Green Lane leads off behind the market. The old map still held good, and I had no trouble, though at Arkham they must have lied when they said the trolleys ran to this place since I had not received since I have not seen a wire overhead. Snow would have hid the rails in any case. I was glad I have chosen to walk, for the white village seemed very beautiful, and now I was eager to knock on the door of my people. The seventh house on the left in Green Lane, with an ancient peak roof and jutting second story, all built before 1650. There were lights inside the house when I came upon it, and I saw from the diamond window panes that it must have been kept very close to its antique state. Wasn't there a point in the last one that there was like the windows were had diamond panes, so it must have been Yeah, it had a diamond lattice pattern in the attic windows where the monster looked out. It's just he's just like real real horny for architecture apparently. He he's real horny for uh northeastern architecture. The upper part overhung the narrow grass grown street. It nearly met with the overhanging part of the house opposite, so that I was almost in a tunnel, with a low stone doorstep wholly free from snow. There was no sidewalk, but many houses had high doors, reached by double flight steps with iron railing. It was an odd scene, and because I was strange to New England, I had never known its like before, though it pleased me. I would have relished it better if there had been footprints in the snow and people in the street, and a few windows without drawn curtains. When I sounded the archaic iron knocker, I was half afraid. Some fear had been gathering in me, perhaps because of the strangeness of my heritage and the bleakness of the evening, and the queerness of the silence in that town of curious customs. And when my knock was answered, I was fully afraid, because I had not heard any footsteps before the door creaked open. But I was not afraid long. Of the gown slippered old man in the doorway had a bland face that reassured me, and through he made signs that he was dumb. He wrote a quaint and old he wrote a quaint and ancient welcome with a stylus and wax tablet he carried. By the way, it was it's it, we said this before, like in the music bag song, but dumb just they can't speak. They are yeah, unable to speak. Yeah. Um <clears throat> I just I'm imagining this old man. Just like um, Ebenezer Scrooge, and he picks up his wax tablet, and it just says, So, dude. <coughs> so, bro. Ah, yes, the ancient <laughs> welcoming. <laughs> the ancient welcome. I have heard of it. They wrote about it in my ancestors' books. So, bro. He beckoned me into a low candlelit room with massive exposed rafters and dark, stiff, sparse furniture of 17th century. The past was vivid here, for not an attribute was missing. There was a cavernous fireplace and a spinning wheel at which bent an old woman in loose wrapper and in a deep spoke bonnet, set back towards silently spinning despite the festive season. An indefinite dampness seemed up upon the place, and I marveled that no fire should be blazing. The high-backed settle faced the row of curtained windows at the left, and seemed to be occupied, though I was not sure. I did not like everything about what I saw, and felt again the fear I had had. This fear grew stronger from what had before lessened it. For more I looked at the old man's bland face, the more its very blandness terrified me. The eyes never moved, and the skin was too like wax. Finally, I was sure it was not a face at all, but a fiendishly cunning mask. But the flabby hand furiously gloved and told me I must wait a while before I could be led to the place of the festival. This guy's like, damn, 
Ugh, my relatives are squares. So boring. I like how he showed up. He's like, yeah, let's party. And they're like, we're going to spin uh, some yarn. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Also, we like to keep our house really moist. Just real moist and no fires. Well, you know, we love it moist here. <laughs> Just as moist as possible. Also, no talking. That's why we like to wear wool. Because it keeps, it just really just keeps the moistness next to you. <laughs> it, it's, it really sucks up all that, all, all the wetness. It doesn't wick <laughs> it away. It just like kind of stays on you heavily. This poor guy is like, God damn it. My family's so fucking weird. And the worst part is they're boring too. <laughs> Pointing to a chair, table, and pile of books, the old man now left the room. And when I sat down to read, I saw the books were hoary and moldy, and that they included old Moister's wild marvels of science, the terrible seducimus triumphatus of Joseph Glanville, published in 1681, the shocking Demolateria of Remigius, printed in 1595 at Lyon, and the worst of all, the unmentionable Necronomicon of the mad Arab Abdul Azared, in Olas Wormius Forbidden Latin Translation, a book which I have never seen, but of which I heard monstrous things whispered. No one spoke to me, but I could hear the creaking of signs in the wind outside, and the whirring of the will as the bonneted old woman continued her silent spinning. Spinning. I thought the room and the books and the people very morbid and but because of old traditions of my father's had summoned me to strange festings, I resolved to expect queer things. So I tried to read, and soon become tremblingly absorbed by something I'd found in the accursed Necronomicon, a thought and a legend too heinous for sanity or consciousness. But I disliked it when I fancied I heard a closing of one of the windows that the settle faced as if it had been stealthily opened. It seemed to follow a whirling that was not of the old woman's spinning will. It was not much, though, for the old woman was spinning very hard, and the aged clock had been striking. After that, I had lost the feeling that there was some person on the settle, and was reading intently and shudderingly, when the old man came back booted and dressed in a loose antique costume, and sat down on the very bench, so I could not see him. It was certainly nervous waiting. And the blasphemous book in my hands made it doubly so. When eleven struck, however, the old man stood up, glided to a massive carved chest in the corner, and got two hooded cloaks, one of which he donned, and the other which he draped around the old woman, who was ceasing her monotonous spinning. And when they both started for the outer door, the woman lamely creeping, and the old man, after picking up the very book I had been reading, beckoned me as he drew his hood over that unmoving face. By the way, I like to imagine that he got dressed as Santa. That would be terrifying. <laughs> it says uh, he came back booted and dressed in a loose antique costume. Actually, this would have been around the time that uh, that the idea of the Santa that we have that was created by Coca-Cola would have been Oh, created. God. Ugh. Actually, it would have been a little bit after, because that was created in, uh, like, I think, early 1900s, I want to yeah. say. Yeah, so that idea of Santa's been around for a little bit. That'd be bit. so creepy. I'm not okay with that. But also, I do want to say, this is building up the dread. It well. is. It is. Like, like I'm I'm getting a little spooked Me too. right now. Because, uh, you know, he's pacing stuff out in a good pace right now. Doesn't seem to be his forte up to this point, I'm going to be real honest. Uh, he's- yeah, really, only the picture in the house did it well. Yeah. I, well... I'll say a couple other ones. Yeah, the uh, picture in the house did it really well, but uh, some other ones have did pretty good. We went out into the moonless and torturous network of that incredibly ancient town. Went out as the lights and the curtain windows disappeared one by one, and the dog star leered at the throng of cowed, cloaked figures that poured silently from every doorway and formed monstrous processions up the street. And that past the creaking signs of the antediluvian gables and the thatched roofs and diamond-paned windows 
threading precipitous lane where decaying houses overlap and crumble together, gliding across the open court and church and churchyards where bobbing lathorn made eldritch drunken consolation. Okay, I need you to look up a word real quick. Uh huh. I thought antediluvian meant before Bible, uh, before the flood or something like that. Oh gosh, yeah. Um, I think you're right. One sec. I just want to make. Sh- oh yeah. By the way, uh, when he says dog star, he means Ser- serious. Yeah, it's serious star. Serious, which is extremely bright. Yeah, but I'm like, I'm ninety percent sure that antediluvian meant before uh, the great yeah, flood. Yeah, of or belonging to the time before the biblical flood, or oh, okay, or Rick ridiculously old-fashioned okay so it can also so it can also be used as a hyperbole okay because i'm just like like is hp a, a mormon now <laughs> <laughs> hp are you not telling us something oh i don't know i don't want to read it a mormon hp hp lovecraft anything well okay we're pretty lucky because mormons only really live in the west well at this point because they were driven out by everyone because they i don't know Started up militias <laughs> and weirdos. Well, no, no, not only were they weirdos, they would start up militias and try to take over towns. Oh yes, that too. Like, and then they'd be like, "You can't smoke cigarettes or drink coffee." And then guess what? Uh, what's his face was doing? The guy that founded it. <laughs> He's smoking a cigar and riding through town. Well, he has a hat that he can look in. Translate. He also can is apparently fucking built enough to carry those golden slabs. So. Amid these hushed throngs, I followed my voiceless guides, jostled by elbows that seemed preternaturally soft, impressed by my chest and stomachs that seemed abnormally pulpy, but never seeing a face or hearing never a word up, up, up. The eerie columns slithered, and I saw that all the travelers were converging as they neared a sort of focus of crazy alleys at the top of the high hill in the center of the town where perched a great white church i had seen it from the road's crest when i looked at kingsport in the new dust and it had made me shiver because aldebaran seemed to balance itself a moment on the ghastly spire it, it is it's getting spooky this guy will spooky <sighs> i just oh man i would or just like lay down on the street and let them cram. <laughs> like, uh, bye. Oh. Oh. I don't know. Maybe I think I would maybe party with some of the uh, whatever these people are. Not if their elbows are sharp and they feel pulpy. No, they're soft. They said that they were soft. Yeah, no, no, if no, they aren't sharp. Sharp. So they're soft. Oh yeah, jostled by elbows that seem preternaturally soft. I'd be okay. With no, that. I wouldn't be. Elbow. <laughs> no, they're obviously some weird. Thing, <laughs> pulpy, pulpy. I'm just saying, if I was drunk enough, I'd be like, "Oh my god, I love your cloak." They're all, they're all like fish people. Where are we thing. going? They're all like fish people. Oh my gosh, I haven't been to church in so long. There was a open space around the church, partly a churchyard with spectral shafts, and partly a half-paven square spot nearly bare of snow, by wind and lined with unwholesome archaic houses, having peaked roofs and overhanging gables. Death fires danced over the tombs, revealing gruesome vistas, though queerly failing to cast any shadows, past the churchyard, where there was no houses I could see over the hill's summit, and watch the glimmer of the stars on the harbor. Though the town was invisible in the dark, only once in a while a lanthorn bobbed horribly through the serpentine alley on its way to overtake the throng that was now slipping speechlessly into the church. I have waited until the crowd had oozed into the black doorway and until all stragglers had followed. The old man was pulling at my sleeve, but I was determined to be last. When I finally went the sinister man and the old spinning woman before me, crossing the threshold into that swarming temple of unknown darkness. I turned once to look at the outside world as a churchyard, phosphorescent, cast a sickly glow on the hilltop pavement, 
and as I did so I shuddered, for though the wind had not left much snow, a few patches did remain on the path near the doorway, and in that fleeting backwards look it seemed to my troubled eyes that they bore no mark of passing feet, even mine. The church was scarce lighted by all the lanthorns that had entered it, for most of the throng had already vanished. They streamed up the aisle between the high white pews to the trap door of the vaults which yawned loosely, opened just before the pulpit, and now squirming noisily in. I followed dumbly down to the foot-worn steps and to the dank, suffocating crypt. I'm going to say, that's not him saying I followed without saying anything. He, that was just dumb. That's a dumb thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you could have just not. <laughs> just don't. The tale of that sinuous line of night marchers seemed very horrible. And as I saw them wiggle into a venerable tomb, they seemed more horrible still. Then I noticed that the tomb's door had an aperture down which the throng was sliding. And in a moment, we were all descending an ominous staircase of rough-hewn stone, a narrow spiral staircase, damp and particularly odorous, that wound endlessly down into the bowels of the hill, past monotonous walls of dripping stone blocks and crumbling mortar. It was a silent, shocking descent, and I had observed after an horrible interval that the walls and steps were changing in nature, as if chiseled out of solid rock. What mainly troubled me is that the myriad footfalls made no sound and set up no echoes, and after aeons of descent, I saw some side passages or burrows leading from unknown recesses of black into this shaft of nighted mystery. Soon they became excessively numerous, like impious catacombs of a nameless menace, and their pungent odor of decay became quite unbearable. I knew we must have passed through the mountain and beneath the earth of Kingport itself, and I shivered that a town would be so aged and maggoty with subterraneous evil. Then I saw the lurid shimmering of pale light and heard the insidious lapping of sunless waters. Again I shivered, for I did not like the thing the night had brought and wished bitterly that no forefather had summoned me to this primal rite. As the steps and passages grew broader, I heard another sound, the thin, whining mockery of, of a feeble flute, and suddenly spread before me the boundless vista of an inner world, a vast, fungus shore littered with belching columns of, of sick, greenish flame and washed by a wide, oily river that had flowed from abysses frightful and unexpected to join the black gulfs of immemorial ocean. Fainting and gasping, I looked at the unhallowed ebris of the titan cold stools, leprous fire, and slimy water, and saw the cloaked throng forming a semicircle around the blazing pillar. It was the Yolrite older than man and fated to survive him, the primal rite of the solstice and of spring's promise beyond the snow, the rite of fire and evergreen, light and music. And in the Stygian grotto, I saw them do the rite and adore the sick pillar of flame and throw into the water, gouge out of the viscous vegetation which glittered green in chloroformic glare. I saw this and saw something amorphously squatted, far away from the light, piping noisomely on the flute. And as a thing piped, I thought I heard noxious, muffled fluttering in the fetid darkness where I could not see. But what frightened me most was the flaming column spouting volcanically from the depths profound and inconceivable, casting no shadow as healthy flame should. Coating the nitrous stone, a venomous vertigris, for in all that seething combustion no warmth lie, but only the clamminess of death and corruption. <sighs> this is good. Nice. This is real good. Just you know, like this is like 
one of the better stories I've read out of yes. all of them. We've read a lot of good ones. We did, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, just hanging out with your family on Christmas, throwing uh, mushrooms into uh, a gross river uh, around the fire. <laughs> just a normal Christmas tradition. God. The man who had brought me now squirmed to a point directly beside the hideous flame and made stiff ceremonial motions through the semicircle he had faced. At certain stages of the ritual, they did groveling obesets, especially when he held above his head the abhorrent Necronomicon he had taken with him. I shared all the obsessions because I had been summoned to this festival by the writings of my forefathers. Then the old man made a signal to the half-seen flute player in the darkness, which player thereupon changed his feeble droning to a scarce louder drone in another key, precipitated as it did a horror unthinkable and unexpected. At this horror, I sank nearly to the lichened earth, transfixed with dread not of this nor any world, but only the mad spaces between the stars. Out of the unimaginable blackness beyond the grangrious glare of that cold flame, out of the Tartarian leagues, though, which the oily rivers rolled uncanny, unheard, and unsuspected, there flopped rhythmically a horde of tame, trained, hybrid, winged things that no sound eye could wholly grasp or sound brain ever wholly remember. They were not altogether crows, nor moles, nor buzzards, nor ants, nor vampire bats, nor decomposed human beings, but something I cannot and must not recall. They flopped limply along, half with their webbed feet and half with their membranous wings. As they reached the throng of celebrants, the cowled figures seized and mount them and rode off in one by one along the reaches of the unlighted river into pits and galleries of panic where poison springs feed frightful and undiscoverable cataract. The old spinning woman had gone with a throng, and the old man remained only because I refused when he motioned me to seize an animal and ride it like the rest. I saw when I staggered my feet that the amorphous flute player had rolled out of sight, but that two of the beasts were patiently waiting by as I hung back. The old man produced his stylus and tablet and wrote that he and wrote that he was the true deputy of my father's who founded the old worship in this ancient place, and that it had been decreed that I should come back. The most secret mysteries were yet to be performed. He wrote this in a very ancient hand, and when I still hesitated, he pulled from his loose robe a seal ring and watch, both with my family's arms, that he was what he said. But it was a hideous proof, because I knew from old paper that watch had been buried with my great, 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 great grandfather in 1698. Presently, the old man drew back his hood and pointed to the family resemblance in his face. And I only shuddered because I was sure that the face was surely a devilish waxen mask. The flopping animal was now scratching restlessly at the lichen planet. And I saw that the old man was nearly rest as restless himself. When one of the things began to waddle and edge away, he turned quickly to stop it, so that the suddenness of his movement dislodged the waxen mask from what should have been his head. And then, because the nightmare's position barred me from the stone staircase down from which he had come, I flung myself into the oily underground river that bubbled somewhere to the caves. I flung myself into that putrescent juice of Earth's inner horrors before the madness of my screams could bring down upon me all charnel legion, the pest gulfs. These pest gulfs might conceal. At the hospital, they told me I was found half frozen in Kingport's harbor at dawn, clinging to a drifting spar that accidentally sent to save me. They told me that I had ill rowed the night before and fallen over the cliffs at Orange Point, a thing they deduced from the footprints they found in the snow. 
there was nothing I could say because everything was wrong. Everything was wrong with the broad windows chewing a sea of roofs that only about one in five was ancient. And the sound of the trolleys and motors in the street below, they insisted that this was Kingsport, and I could not deny it. When I went delirious at hearing that the hospital stood near an old churchyard on Central Hill, they sent me to St. Mary's Hospital in Arkham, where I could have better care. I liked it there, for the doctors were broad-minded, and even lent me their influence in obtaining a carefully sheltered copy of Alzared's objectionable Necronomicon from the Library of the Mesotonic University. They said something about a psychosis, and I agreed I had better get any harassing obsessions off of my mind. That's how it works. That's how mental health works. Yeah, you just talk about it, and then it goes away. Yeah. <clears throat> so... I read again the hideous chapter and shuddered doubly, because it was indeed not new to me. I had seen it before. Let the footprints tell what they might, and where it was I had seen it was best forgotten. There was no one in waking hours who could remind me of it, but my dreams were filled with terror because of phrases I dare not quote. I dare quote only one paragraph put into English, as I can make from the awkward low Latin. The nethermost cavern, wrote the mad Arab, were not for the fathoming eyes that see, for their marvels were strange and terrific. Curse the ground where dead thoughts live new and oddly bodied, and evil the mind that held no head. Wisely did Ib Sachkabo said, that happy is a tomb where no wizard has lain, and happy was a town at night whose wizards were all ashes. For it is of old rumor that the soul of the devil brought haste not from his charnel clay, but fats and instructs the very worm that gnaws, till out of corruption, horrid life springs, and the dull scavengers of earth's wax crafty to vex it and swell monstrous to plague it. Great holes secretly were digged where earth's pores ought of suffice. And the things have learnt to walk that ought to crawl. That's it. Yeah. It's good, Faith. It's very good. This is a good this is this is a good story. Um Yes. I don't think there's anything wrong with this story. No. Uh so if you want to have a quick preview of the uh what inspired a whole ass like meta theozu but no, sorry. like a speculative theology book about oil and how it's uh how it's evil and what's spread its influence it is actually that last passage where basically something was uh, basically digging holes through the voids where there shouldn't be any and that it was something something monsters is trying to spread its uh spread around uh through the earth's surface um and there's there's a bunch of other stuff but yeah this is this is really good um spooky it does a lot yes. of dread stuff. Yes. Um, yeah. I, mean, I don't. I don't. I don't know what else is about it. Really. Uh, there. Uh, well. There. I mean. There's lots of. I think there's lots of little little good parts as well. Um, that the. I do like that the pace was. I don't want to say fast, but like you, it felt like you were marching through it. Like you got like a little, like a little hint of something weird every paragraph. Yeah. Like. Yes. It seemed like it seems like no sentences were being wasted. Yes, exactly. Um, which is nice when that happened. Because Lovecraft sometimes puts a lot of bloat. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like even, sometimes there's too much. Yeah. But uh which is why we're skipping one of the stories completely. Um <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but uh but yeah, so what what what's your general thoughts? I like it. Um I think it was just success just as successful as Picture in the House as um, Building Dread, um, which is good because we really like that. We thought that that was really cool that Lovecraft had learned how to do that, and I'm glad that it happened again. Yeah. Uh, this is kind of like a proto over Innsmouth as well, Shadow over Innsmouth. Yeah. I'd say, yeah, it, it like speaks to like this like weird dark secret that like kept by this town that people outside of it generally doesn't know about. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, also was the Necronomicon mentioned before? 
Was the first mention? Yes, it okay. was. Okay, because yeah, I'm trying to remember when it was first mentioned, but it was mentioned before. But uh, but yeah, this is real spooky, and I think I did a good reading of it, so we should have a good audio book yes. of it. Yes. Now, uh, we should probably do our next part though, where we rank it. Uh, the HP list graph. A list of mania. This is going up there. Yeah. We mention Pitch in the House a lot. Yep. Uh, oh, that's a really good block of uh, stories, too. Because if we're talking about like... I know, right? Our, t- our top ten is really good. Yeah. Um, so if we're talking about building dread, I think... We'll see. I was going to say Hypnos is good at building dread, but no, it's more good at like building like some horror into the incredible gayness of that story um yes but it's good it's great but yeah um i think this has a little bit more of a satisfying ending than picture in the house definitely yeah um so well let's put it against uh, from beyond then because from beyond had amazing pace it was uh that was another one that felt like it had no wasted uh no wasted sentences it seemed to uh it wasn't long it didn't it didn't outstay its welcome but like every no. second that you're in it, it did it was amazing. Um, yeah, I would put it below from beyond. Okay, yeah, let's put it below from beyond. Uh, uh, this uh, boom, done. Okay, so the festival. Okay, well, so the festival is now number ten on our list. Yeah, so we got we got Dagon, Nyao Lothotep, Memory, the White Ship, the Statement of Randolph Carter. Exoblivion, the tree, the cats of Ulthar, rub beyond, and then the festival, and that's our top ten. Well, while we're here, uh, we're gonna be skipping three stories because we first off we lost the episodes of them, and they were incredibly boring. Ugh. Oh yeah, uh, I would really not like to do under the pyramid so, again. <laughs> uh, so let's just put under the pyramid under the street. Under the street, yeah, can do. Because much like with a lot of white supremacy, at least you can like grab onto something when they're talking about it, you know. Uh, not not with not not with under the pyramid. It's just HP was basically copying and pasting the Wikipedia for Egypt. Um, <laughs> yeah, basically. And did it in like what twenty something pages? No, less oh, than. Oh God! Yeah, it felt like forever. It was eight pages, but it felt for no wait no no no. It was twenty something pages. It was twenty two pages. <sighs> yeah no that one that is the opposite of no, an example you. of wasted no wasted sentences yeah all of it is wasted also supposedly it was written by harry houdini um Suppo- yeah it was supposedly a story that happened to harry houdini and actually hp lovecraft straight up said like that's bullshit <laughs> okay that definitely did not happen to you so then we have the shunned house which um to summarize that it's basically about someone who did everything but you're what you're supposed to when you have a moldy house. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's not great. It's how many pages? It's two parts. I remember it's that. It's two parts. Well, so I think it's 10 pages. No, it's more than it's 12 pages. It's 12 pages. 12. Yeah. Okay. It's 12 pages. Uh, and um, yeah, it's. It's 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 a good example of like uh, men not wanting to read direction <laughs> or get a professional to do it. Yeah, uh, they had a mold problem, and apparently, what fixed it was, uh, well, what they want you to believe in the book was putting like fifty gallons of like acid into the ground. Um, no, that wasn't the problem. They they fixed the pipes. They they mentioned the pipes being at the beginning at, of the at story. the beginning of the story. And they said, hey, we replaced it and then like, you know, redid redid some of the rooms and like it's perfectly fine now. And now people don't die in this house. Yeah, it was just mold. It was just mold. Regular mold. And and they wanted to make it seem like, oh, there's like this like villainous mold that's like being like that's like deep underground going around the city and everything. If you wanted to make like a mystical mold monster, just put it in the first half. Yeah. You know? Don't just des- don't yeah. describe a very easy to fix problem. Yeah, but whatever. That's why we're not reading that. One. But where are we yeah. gonna put that? One? Um, I would put it below the alchemist. Do you think it's better or worse than the beast in the cave? Uh, I think 
I think it's worse than Beast. Okay, but I feel like it's better than the facts concerning Arthur Germain yeah, and his yeah, family. All right, so the Shunned House is at number 36. Between the Beast in the Cave and the facts concerning Arthur Germain and his family. Okay, then we have Horat Red Hook. Um, that was... The ending of that, the last half of that was spectacular. It was amazing. The first half of it was incredibly racist and really annoying to read. Yeah, it was uh, 18, <laughs> eight, 18 pages, and I wouldn't even say half of it. I would say, like, the last five pages were good, but, like, the first 13 yes. was just, like, I don't like Jews, Italians, Polish people. It was, gosh, I I I wish that white people lived here still. Yeah, like, like I'm not joking, there's, like, five pages describing how weird Jewish people are. And- he says that over and over and over again until the last five pages, basically. And then it's still, and then he still managed to, the, the last part's still anti-Semitic, it's just written well. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, let's, <sighs> let's put that like, let's put that above the straight. Let's put it above the Yeah. Street. Would you, wait, is Old Bugs better than it though? Old Bugs is really bad. Let's it's put really it above, bad. let's put it above Old Bugs. Okay, I'm good with that. So Horat Red Hook is at uh, 40 between transition of Juan Romero and Old Bugs. Yep. And then, and I think we decided not to read this one because it was, it was one. Th- oh, he. He. Yeah. Uh, it was one yeah. of those books that was, it was one of those stories that was fun to make fun of, but horrible to read. And also still yeah. managed to be like weirdly racist. Um. Oh God. Yeah. yeah. So basically like, and it was based based off of specifically when HP moved to uh to New York and hated it. Yeah. Um. But basically, like he's just like I want to find the cool place, the places that the yeah, people don't go. It's about this emo artist that thinks that he's better than all the other artists he lives with, so he tries to find like a cool, secluded place. He ends up going to following this dude to a library that turns out to be a time machine. Which you would think would be really cool, but it's not. Yeah, also, apparently the future is filled with people who are, like, I don't know, mixed race and, you know, accepting of each other. It's weird. (laughs) (laughs) He he basically time travels to the future where there's a big rave, and he's like, oh god, it's terrible. Look at all those brown people and white people mixing together. Uh... Miscegenation. (laughs) And then at the end of it, uh, like a... Native American ghost slash slime. Yeah, because it turns out that this guy stole his like the the gift of immortality and how to time travel from some Native Americans and then killed them. Uh, and then they come back and murder yeah, but him. like they're both a ghost and a slime though. <laughs> yeah, it's really weird. It's not well written either. No, it's not great. I kind of want to put that. Mm, I kind of want to put that like below. No, above above the transition of Juan Romero. Above. Uh, yeah, I'm cool with that. Yeah, because ah! like a reminiscence of uh, Dr. The re- a reminiscence of Dr. Samuel, like, you know, it's not the, like, it's it's just, it's too long. That's And it's like four pages long and it's too long. Um, It's more of the, uh, it's just like, I just don't understand. I don't understand. It's too long. He spends like, I think like four or five pages running around New York in the alleys with this random dude, uh, only to time travel back and forth in time, and then be like, oh god, there's a bunch of uh, brown people having a rave in the future, it's horrible, what? <sighs> so yeah. And then he watches that dude get murdered, and then he leaves. Yeah. And that's about it's it. It's very underwhelming. It is, it's extremely underwhelming. Like, it has so many, like, ideas that sound good. It would be interesting to have a story where Native Americans like just get to kill a white person uh, for being bad and shitty to them. Yeah. But like, he managed yeah. to make that boring. Yeah. You would think a time traveling library would be cool, but that is also somehow boring. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's a good place for that. Um, I think next we read, we read either Cool Air or In the we Vault. We read In the Vault. and Yes, and then... Y- Oh yeah, because I read in the vault, you read Cool Air, and you do, and then we'll, yeah. So in uh, three episodes, well, no, one, two, no, three episodes, three episodes, because I think in the vault and Cool Air are both one. They're short, they're short, yeah. But in three, they're short. Yeah, in three episodes, we will have uh, 
we'll have Call of Cthulhu. Call of Cthulhu! Which, yeah, it's, we'll be caught up. That we get to hear about that old man who gets murdered by sailors again. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, so this is, uh, so yeah, this is pretty much, pretty much it. Um, let me get my thing. I, okay. Uh, so yeah, what do you have to plug? Um, so you should go check out my YouTube channel. It's called McSpooky Sweaters. Uh, I read creepypastas, uh, poems, novellas, all like any spooky kind of story on there. So if you like what we're doing here, but you want less H.P. Lovecraft, definitely go check it out. Uh, it is kind of nice to break up the racism. <laughs> it's just like, here's, okay, like, we've been lucky. We've been very lucky. We have been. We just we just skipped over. We skipked over it, and what now we're getting into like the miscegenation phase. Where is this? Oh yeah, where he really hated the mixing of the. But, but like he does it in a very he, clever he, way, he, you know. Yeah, he covers it up really well. Like it's the kind of thing where like you would have to ask somebody what it's about, and then it's like somebody's like, "Hey, HP, like I really like Dunwich Horror. Like, is there some deeper meaning to it?" And he would be like, "Yeah, it's about miscegenation." Yeah, it turns out then women's are whores, and they will fuck anything, especially with Josh Shogoth. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, like, it's it's done in, like, you wouldn't know unless HP straight up said, this is about miscegenation. Yeah. And apparently, apparently to everyone but me, Shadow Over Innsmouth is definitely about the mix- miscegenation, and I just thought it was about fucking crazy That's people. also about miscegenation. Well, again, it's the same thing, unless, like, you actually asked HP and he... And he did say it out to loud. Be, he wouldn't know. To be fair, he does describe fucking fish people like as a pretty good deal. It sounds pretty fun. Like, like not only do you get gold from it in fish, you also become immortal and can swim yeah. and like, breathe underwater. Like, like actually, doesn't it? And like when inevitably, when the fish god returns, you you're cool with them. Yeah, it's pretty rad. Like that sounds so cool. <laughs> Yeah, really, if HP was trying to rail against miscegenation, he did not do a good he job. He did not do a good job, because I'm just like... It sounds rad as fuck. <laughs> but, but yeah, but we'll we'll talk a little bit more about that when we're reading it, because we'll, uh, yeah. Yeah, it, we'll be talking about each part uh, yes. very deeply. <laughs> so Yes. Uh, but, but yeah, if you want to hear more spooky stories, go check that out. It's just mixed spooky sweaters on YouTube. Yeah, and I do... Well, I do another podcast called Alphabet Flight, where I talk about Marvel characters issue by issue from the official handbook of the Marvel Universe alphabetically. Um, and if you want to support us, uh, you can rate, review, subscribe, um, you know, or tell one of your friends about this. It it helps. Uh, if you want to see little previews of it, you can also go to at Overinsmith on twitter and and instagram uh yeah there's always some cool artwork with it too yeah so uh besides that this has been over in smith and you are the irreplaceable gash in the fabric of reality your keening static howl is like no other and if it faded from the abyss the void that would remain and the mansions of silence would forever be filled with our lament bye Bye.